deal with stress in your life, you have chosen a good day to listen to Peace by Believing. My name is John Redmond. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And on today's program, we're going to be talking about stress and how we can deal with stress more effectively in our lives. Now, stress is one of those things that we all deal with. In fact, it's, it's not even realistic to have a life that has no stress. Some stress is actually a good thing, and it's a healthy thing. If we had no stress, our lives would be dull and flat, and we would, never would really accomplish anything. It's kind of like a violin. If the strings on a violin have no stress on them, the sound, the music, is not going to be good at all. It will indeed be dull, and it will be flat. And so there has to be some stress on the strings. On the other hand, if the strings on a violin are too tight, there'll be a high shrill. It'll be a very unpleasant noise that the violin would make. And so that that excess stress would be a bad thing. Well, it's kind of like that in our lives. If our lives have no stress, we won't accomplish anything. But if our lives have too much stress and we're too uptight, then there's going to be (laughs) an excessive uh, shrill, as it were, or a screeching in our lives. We're going to just be uptight. We're going to just be wound up so tight that we're going to be on edge, and God would not want us to live that way. And so I want to just begin today by, by sharing with you a definition of stress And I found this right out of the dictionary, so it's uh, not something I made up. This is just what stress is. It's a state of mental or emotional strain. A state of mental or emotional strain. And some of the synonyms for stress would be words like pressure, nervousness, tension, worry, anxiety, being uptight, and, uh, and you get the idea. And so all of us deal with this, and God wants to help us deal with it even better. And so if you have your Bibles with you today, I wish you would open them to the book of Philippians in chapter number 4. I want to show you a great verse in the New Testament about stress, about anxiety, and about how we should deal with it. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, "...be anxious for nothing." But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, the beginning of that verse says, be anxious for nothing. And so God says, while it is true that all of our lives are going to have demands and responsibilities, therefore a certain amount of stress... God says when that stress turns into anxiety, or back to our violin illustration, when that stress gets too tight, when the strings of your life are too tight, you've crossed over from healthy, normal stress into anxiety, God says, now this is not a good thing, this is not healthy, and he says, be anxious 
for nothing. What God is saying is, don't let anything make you that uptight. Don't make, don't let anything make you that stressed out. Be anxious for nothing. And so if you think about it, God, as our Heavenly Father, doesn't want anything in our lives that's not good for us. That's why God tells us not to sin, because God knows that sin is not good for us. It's not good. For, certainly, it's not good for us in the long term. Sometimes we may commit a sin, and in the short term, maybe that sin was enjoyable, or we think, well, I got away with that, and nothing really happened too bad to me as a result of that sin. But there are always consequences to our sins. And so God says, listen, I don't want you to sin because I don't want you to do anything that would be harmful to you. I don't want you to do anything that would be bad for you. Another example of something that God would not want us to do would be smoking. In the day in which we live, we know that cigarettes uh, cause all kinds of problems to the human body. They, uh, they, they lead to cancer. They cause all kinds of lung problems. And so God would never want a person to smoke because God knows that smoking is bad for our bodies. Now, in, in the same way, God does not want us to have excessive stress in our lives because he knows that it's bad for us. In fact, I believe that in, in some ways, stress is worse on the human body and worse for us as individuals than smoking or drinking or a poor diet or being overweight or high blood pressure or high cholesterol or even some other serious health problems because stress, if we don't deal with it, it never goes away. And we wake up with it and we go to bed with it and we wake up with it again the next day and we carry it through the day. And this is why God says, you can't live like that. Be anxious for nothing. Deal with that stress. And in this verse, he says what we should do is give that stress to God put it in God's hands and ask him to help us to deal with the stress. Now, what I want to do in our time today on this program, I want to share with you three things that cause stress in a person's life. Now, I've noticed in my own life, any of these three things can cause a tremendous amount of stress on me. And if I'm doing two of them at the same time, and certainly if I'm doing three of these things at the same time, it's causing a lot of stress. And so as we think about these things today, I want you just to listen with an open mind. And if you're out there listening stressed out and uptight, I'm going to uh, predict that the reason you're feeling that way is because you are guilty of doing one of these three things. And so let's just jump right in and uh, let's think about this. First of all, one of the things that causes stress is trying to do too much. Trying to do too much. When a person overcommits himself or overextends himself or herself, it's like we are trying to do uh, everything. We're, we're trying to wear so many hats. Our plate is full. There are many Monday mornings I wake up and I feel like my plate is close to full now. It may not be completely full, but it's close. And then I begin adding things to my plate. And then other people start calling and asking if I can do this. And so I add that to my plate. Well, there's a point out there where you get more things on your plate than your plate can hold. And so when that happens, you're guilty of trying to do everything. And we have all been there and we've all done that. The classic Bible example of this would be found in Exodus chapter 18. We read there about Moses, the man of God. 
And we read that Moses, uh, as he had led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, and now they're in the wilderness. They're headed towards the promised land, but they're not there yet. They're out there in the wilderness. And there are approximately 2 million Jewish people whom Moses is leading. And Moses had a practice that each day he would gather himself before the people, he would get before the people, and they would come to him and ask him questions. Or if they had a dispute with another person, or two groups of people had disputes, they would come to Moses and they would tell what the problem was, and they would ask Moses to make a ruling or to make a decision. He was kind of like a lawyer, and he was, or maybe like a judge more than a lawyer, actually. He was hearing all these cases, and he was making decisions. He did this from early morning until late night, and one day his father-in-law, a man named Jethro, came on the scene, and he saw what Moses was doing, and he said, Moses, the thing that you're doing is not good. You're going to wear yourself out and wear the people out. You're trying to do everything, and what you need to do is to enlist a group of leaders who can help hear some of these cases. You need to train up other people and delegate some of this work out, and then you can hear the really hard cases, the ones they were unable to resolve, but if it's a simple case, let somebody else do it. And Jethro, as he gave that advice to Moses, he said, Moses, if you will do that, you're going to find that it's going to be easier on you. It's going to be easier on the people, too. They won't have to wait in such a long line to get to you. He said, you're also going to be able to endure a lot longer. And he said, there's going to be peace for everybody. Now, you think about the three benefits of delegating responsibilities. It's easier. We can endure longer and stay in there and do what God called us to do over the long haul. And then we'll have peace, and so will everybody else. And so I say that today to say to you, if you're stressed out, it may be that you're trying to do more than God expects you to do. Maybe you're trying to do what other people expect you to do or even what you expect yourself to do. But you have to ask yourself, is this what God has called me to do, or am I trying to do too much? Because we know if we're trying to do everything, it's just a matter of time until we get stressed out. Now, the second thing that causes stress, remember the first thing is trying to do everything. The second thing, though, that causes stress is trying to do the wrong thing. Trying to do the wrong thing. In other words, when a person tries to do something that God has not led him or her to do, that person is not going to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit, like he or she would if that person was doing what God had led them or what God had called them to do. And so sometimes in life, we want to help people. We want to meet needs. We have a desire to, uh, to minister and to serve others. But sometimes, even though our heart might be right, our head is wrong and our decisions are not right and we step out doing something that God never told us to do. Now, in the book of Acts, in chapter number 16, we have an example of this. Acts chapter 16 and in verse number 6, the Bible says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not 
permit them. Now, this passage of Scripture is talking about Paul and his traveling companions. And keep in mind, God had not only saved Paul, but he had called him into the ministry, told him to preach the gospel. And so on this occasion, Paul was trying to take the gospel to Asia. And as you read the passage, you would think that God would have been pleased with Paul. After all, the Great Commission, uh, Jesus tells us in the Great Commission, go ye therefore into all the world preaching the gospel. We're supposed to go everywhere. And so here Paul is going to Asia to preach, and the Holy Spirit uh, would not let him do it. In fact, again, the verse says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you stop and think about that, on first reading, it doesn't make sense. Why would the Holy Spirit forbid Paul to preach the gospel to a group of people who had never heard the gospel, or at least as far as we know, they had never heard the gospel? You would think that the Holy Spirit would have said, Paul, I am so proud of you. I will be with you. This is exactly what I want you to do. You, you would almost expect the verse to say they were forbidden by the devil to preach in Asia. Maybe the devil would try to stop them. If we had read that, we'd say, well, see, they were trying to take the gospel to Asia, and the devil blocked them from doing what God wanted them to do. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say they were forbidden by the devil. It says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. And so that says to me that Paul, even though his heart was right, he wanted to take the gospel to as many people as possible. It was not God's will for Paul to preach the gospel in Asia, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him do it. Now, it's interesting. I was reading recently in my devotional book by a man named R.T. Kendall, a great Christian writer, and Dr. Kendall was talking about this passage of Scripture, and he said that when the Holy Spirit uh, prevented Paul and communicated to Paul, hey, it's not your will to go and preach, or it's not my will for you to go preach the gospel in Asia, that it would have taken a tremendous amount of courage and spiritual discernment, first of all, for Paul to have recognized that as the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then courage for him to have obeyed. Probably his traveling companions were wanting to go. He was wanting to go. And uh, Paul had to be able to discern, you know what? Even though there is a need in Asia for the gospel, I can't go there and preach the gospel because God's told me not to. And so that leads us to a tremendous truth. And I heard this years ago from a godly man who's now in heaven, Adrian Rogers. And I heard him say in one of his sermons something I have never forgotten, and it really fits this point well. He said, always remember this in life. As you have a desire to serve God and to be used by God, and you go to church and you hear sermons and the preacher is telling you about all these different opportunities, or maybe you're in a Sunday school class and your teacher says, hey, we have an opportunity to do this and this and this to meet a need, and all of us as Christians want to meet needs. But Adrian Rogers said, always remember this, the need is not the call. The need is not the call. So just because there's a need somewhere, that doesn't necessarily mean that God has called you to go and meet that need. The fact is there was a need in Asia for somebody to preach the gospel, but that need did not mean that Paul had been called to preach the gospel in Asia. And so there are needs all around the world. There are needs in America. There are needs in uh 
and 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 every other in con- different countries have needs. I mean, I just think of countries all over the world where there are needs, uh, needs for the gospel, needs for food, needs for clothes. There are all kind of needs. And if you have the idea that says, "Well, what I'm going to do in life, I'm going to find out where there's a need, and I'm going to go meet that need," you can't meet that many needs because there are needs everywhere. And so remember what Adrian said, the need is not the call. The call is the call. And so what we want to do, and something that R.T. Kendall said in his devotional book, he said, what we want to learn to do is to be so sensitive to the prompting and the leading and the voice of the Holy Spirit so that when he speaks to us, we, we know where God is leading us, we know where God is not leading us, and we just stay in the flow of the Spirit. We just go with God. And that's what happened here to the Apostle Paul. He wanted to go to Asia. Now, if it had been God's will for Paul to go to Asia, when he got there, he would have had the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his life. His ministry would have been blessed. He would have had a certain ease in his spirit. But when God told him not to go, had, had Paul responded and said, you know what, in my spirit, I feel like that I shouldn't go. It's almost like God is telling me not to go, but I know there's a need in Asia, so I'm going to go anyway. Well, had he done that, when he got to Asia, he would not have had the full anointing of the Holy Spirit on his life. And so, thank God, he listened. He went a different direction, and he stayed in the flow of the Spirit. He met the needs God wanted him to meet. Remember this, nobody can meet every need, and God used his life in a great way. And so, how do you apply that to your life? Well, you have to ask yourself this question. Are you having stress because you're trying to do the wrong thing? In other words, you're trying to help people. You're trying to meet needs. You're trying to do something somebody else has put on you. And yet the Holy Spirit, if you would get still and quiet before him, he's leading you a different direction. And he's leading you to go and meet a need somewhere else. And so it may be that the reason you have stress is because you've gotten out of the flow of the Holy Spirit and you're trying to do something that God is not leading you to do. And so that is one of the major reasons we feel stress in our lives. I've been invited to speak at two churches in the upcoming months. And as I thought about it and prayed about it and tried to discern the Lord's uh, leading in my own heart, I felt led to accept one invitation and not the other. Now, that doesn't mean the one I didn't accept was not important. It may be more important than the one I accepted. But in my heart, I just didn't feel that God was leading me in that direction. And so what we want to do is to try to be so in touch with the Holy Spirit that we are always going where he is leading and we're never going somewhere where he is not leading. Because if we go somewhere he's not leading, there will be stress. Because when I say the anointing, what I'm talking about is the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to do what he's called you to do. But if you're doing something he's not called you to do, you can't expect to have his power. And so there's going to be a struggle there. And then the third thing that can cause us to feel stress is when we take things too seriously. When we take things too seriously, in other words, we just, everything in life becomes a crisis to us. We take other people too seriously. We take circumstances and problems too seriously. Friend, I would encourage you to take God seriously, certainly. Take God and his word seriously. But don't take other people too seriously. Don't even take yourself too seriously and your problems and the the challenges that we all face in life. If you 
magnify those things. All in the world they're going to do is to become bigger and bigger in your mind, and they're going to cause you a lot of stress in your life. So try not to take things too seriously. I was interested to learn recently that when a president of the United States is preparing to leave office on Inauguration Day, uh, the inauguration of the next president, that he writes a letter to his successor and he places that letter in the desk there in the Oval Office, just passing on uh, well wishes and maybe a little bit of advice and insight, some encouragement to the new president. And I've gone online and read several of the letters that uh, outgoing presidents have written, and I have been blessed and encouraged with some of the wisdom that they have shared. I was especially blessed when I read the letter that President Bill Clinton wrote to, at that time, he was still president-elect George W. Bush. Later in the day, he became President Bush. But President Clinton wrote a letter uh, to President-elect Bush, put it in the desk there in the, uh, in the Oval Office, and after he was inaugurated, President Bush came in sat behind that desk, opened that drawer, pulled out the letter, and read it. And that letter has five paragraphs, and I was especially blessed by the first sentence of the fourth paragraph. And I hope I'm not misquoting it. I think I've read it so many times I've just about memorized it. But Clinton said to Bush, The burdens you now shoulder are great, but often exaggerated. Let me say that again. The burdens you now shoulder are great, but often exaggerated. Now, what was President Clinton saying? He was saying that in the eight years that he had been president of the United States, leader of the free world, he had learned that there were a lot of occasions when heads of different departments and different leaders would come into the Oval Office and they would share uh, different issues and different things and different crises around the world and different problems. And, and he had discovered that while certainly all of those things were legitimate and everything needed his attention to some extent, he had learned that some of the problems were exaggerated. And so he was saying to President Bush, the same thing is going to happen to you. There's going to be there, will be, there will be times when the people in your cabinet, as well-meaning as they are, they're going to blow a certain issue out, uh, out of proportion. They're going to exaggerate that issue and just be advised and don't do that in your own mind. Don't make it a bigger issue than it is. And so, you know, we're not the, I'm not the president of the United States. I'm never going to be the president, and the odds are you aren't either. But we can apply that to our own lives and say, you know what, one of the reasons I'm having stress is because I'm exaggerating problems and I'm exaggerating situations. I'm just exaggerating everything. And by exaggerating these things, it's causing a tremendous amount of stress on my life. And so I would encourage you, listen, focus on God. Do the best you can to please Him. Take life in stride. Be kind and respectful to people. Take them in stride. Don't let them burden you down with their burdens. You can't solve all those problems anyway. Do the best you can and keep your focus on the Lord. And I've, I just hope and pray that if you'll take some of this that we've talked about today, some of these truths to heart, that they will be a blessing to you. Try not to do everything. Try not to do the wrong thing. And try not to take things so 
seriously. But as I said a moment ago, the one thing we do want to take seriously is our personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you've never been saved, if there's never been a time in your life where you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins and make you a Christian, I would encourage you to do that today. If you have a desire in your heart to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Begin now to make me the person that you want me to be. In your name I pray. Amen. And friend, if you prayed that prayer, the Lord has saved you. He's living in your heart. He'll never leave you. He'll help you handle stress, and he'll help you all through life. That's what I love about Jesus. Not only does he promise to take us to heaven when we die, but he promises to be with us every step of our journey here on this earth. He's with us not only in death, but he's also with us in life. And so I pray this week you're going to have a great week, that God will give you an unusual awareness of his presence. I hope you'll be with us next time. Peace by Believing is an extension of the ministry of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you would like to grow in your relationship with God, we have several booklets online for you to read or download. To find them, go to our website, peacebybelieving.org, click on the Spiritual Growth tab, and scroll down to the booklet section. If the ministry of Peace by Believing has been a blessing to you, please email us at info at peacebybelieving.org. We pray that you have a blessed week.